Blackwater, the Wagner Group, Executive Outcomes, the Flying Tigers, the Swiss Guard, the White Company, the Knights Templar, the Varangian Guard, Clercus of Sparta, Pythagoras the Spartan, Mentor of Rhodes, Socrates of Achaea. The list is endless. Mercenaries, guns for hire, soldiers of fortune, private military companies, private security contractors, dirty deeds done not so dirt cheap. History is replete with privatized militaries. Call them what you want. They have been around for a very long time and they are very likely not going away anytime soon. So you better get used to it, grow up and accept it, or move to another planet. Because these days in this world, folks, money trumps everything. And like it or not, wars are good, very good, for business. Furthermore, history tells us that greed, corruption, oppression, and tyranny are responsible for more deaths than anything else. Money, profits, and propaganda. Call it psychological operations or call it psychological conditioning. You are being gaslit. So take the red pill, remove your blinders, all of them, and take a good sensory inventory of what you're being told and shown to believe. Because here we go. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Oconus, The Contractor's Life. Talking from the relatively insulated and we call it rural foothills of northwestern Washington State, I'm your host, Scott Dresser. Life as a private security contractor in a hostile or a war-torn zone, or as some refer to it, a non-permissive environment. It is a mixed bag of blessings. Some good, some not so good. All in all though, private security contracting is much the same as life. It is what you make it. In the MENA region, or the Middle East, North Africa region, lands of enchantment, lands of mystery, lands of the old ones and the ancient ones. Myths, legends, Folklore, maybe. If you believe what you read in the ancient and the holy texts, then you know that it all centers around what we refer to as the MENA region. Yep, that's right, the Mediterranean. You probably also know then that to every legend or myth, there is a basis of at least some truth. So then, that said, let's get on this episode of Oconus, The Contractor's Life. You know, a lot of questions are brought up about where are these contracts, how long have they been going on, who does them, how do they get them, who's in charge of them. Uh, that's really good questions, and there's more questions, and, and there's no real simple answer, but basically, these contracts are everywhere, folks. Many of them, perhaps arguably most of them, most of us don't hear about, don't know about, but they're out there. And if you know the people or you keep your pol your finger on the pulse, if, if you're paying attention, doing the research, you know that they're pretty much everywhere that they've always been around the globe. 
So if you go out, I mean, they have them here in the U.S. Yes, there are contracts here in the United States of America with government agencies um, and private uh, entities, whether they're organizations or they're corporations, but there are contracts here in America for things that usually primarily have to do with the, the types of crimes that we know of that we've heard of. Uh, that we're aware of. So whether it's human trafficking or weapon smuggling or drug trafficking, I mean, just go down the list. Terrorism, counterterrorism, just go down the list. And usually, almost always, they are in uh, cooperation uh, with government agencies. Uh, and so, but outside the U.S., pretty much every country has something similar. Uh, whether it's Central America, South America, the entirety of Africa, okay, uh, Asia, uh, and the Middle East, obviously, including Europe. I mean, folks, these contracts are everywhere. So the ones that most of us end up hearing about or reading about is when there's a war or the uprising and the prelude to wars. So the ones that we are in that we typically hear about, that most people are aware of, obviously, is the Iraq War, the second Iraq War, if you will, the second Gulf War. Uh, many to most of us are aware of the Libya debacle, um, the Syrian um, <coughs> crisis, which is still out there. There's still contractors there, folks. Okay, um, And obviously what we're seeing now in Ukraine. But I'm telling you, they these contracts, they're everywhere. So how do these contracts start? Who gets them and, and how does this work? Well, I'm by no means an expert on that part of it. But typically, you've got high-ranking people involved. So usually you've got senior NCOs and uh, senior um, uh, commissioned officers in the militaries, whether they're retired or not, whether it's the NCO and or the officers that retired or they're still active, uh, they'll have um, some sort of a relationship with diplomats, politicians, leading businessmen with large corporations. And all these people have a interest, the same or similar, dissimilar, whatever, in a certain region, a certain state certain country, whatever it is, because it, they view it as being unstable. Um, it doesn't really necessarily call for direct military intervention or actions, even though there may be some of that going on, but the private security part of it. So th these people get together. They go through the process of establishing this project, this, and they contract it out. They put it out for bid. Usually, uh, some of them are outsourced, sole sourced, uh, sometimes to a company. Sometimes the sole sourcing is only after a successful initial project completion, three, four, five years into it. Uh, because uh, not sure about all the other countries, but at least with American contracts, typically it's one plus four. That's usually the way, that's usually how it's established. And you see that even at the state level. Uh, oftentimes it's one plus four. So where they're at and who does them? Well, like I said, where they're at, they're everywhere. Um, some folks that are listening might remember what we used to call the dirty wars 
back in the 80s and to some extent in the 90s. Um, and, and a lot of them, and most of the attention was in Central and South America, uh, whether it was in Guatemala or it was Panama or it was Bogota or it was Ecuador or Chile, where a lot of this stuff still still there, <laughs> okay, hasn't gone away, folks. Bad people and evil don't go away. They never take a break. They never take a rest, okay? So same sorts of things in Africa. Now, the missions might be slightly different, uh, but it, it's still the same. So whether you're thinking of um, movies that depicted, say, like Blood Diamond or uh, The Secret Soldiers of Benghazi. I mean, there, there are movies out there that do a pretty stellar job of depicting what that war was all about. The good, the bad, the ugly, all of it. Okay, and in there, there's, there's, there's the villain, there's the hero, and it's not, these movies typically are not too far off uh, from, from presenting uh, factual truth. Now, you don't have to believe it. That's up to you. Free choice, folks. You can believe it or not. So the same thing, whether it's Iraq or Afghanistan, yes, officially we pulled out of both um, and, and they have their own form of government, whatever that might be. But I guarantee you, especially in Iraq, there are still security contractors and there are still contractors in Afghanistan. Now, that has changed, okay, but they are still there. Okay, they're with these high-level agencies, but they're still there. Trust me, folks. So the problems persist. Now, whether it's any of our business or not, arguably, it's not. Okay, it's their country, it's their nation, they're going to do what they're going to do, and we don't need to be meddling in everybody's foreign affairs, internal affairs, what have you. However, there is a very good point to be made that in order to keep it off our shores, away from our borders, to keep it from spreading, that we've got to maintain some sort of a presence or footprint, whatever you want to call it, to keep it so that at the very least, we can always take the pulse of what's going on out there, not just from the eyes in the skies, but from people, boots on the ground, that are actually getting human-level resource intelligence so that we know with a fairly high degree of certainty what's going on, where it's going to go next, and whether it's a true national concern in terms of the United States of America okay, or North America, however you want to call it. Why would they want private contractors, private security contractors, military companies, whatever you want to call them, why would they want that as opposed to standard military? Well, there's a lot of reasons. One of them is, to this day, it's still argued that it's more cost-effective to have private security contractors do otherwise same or similar things than to have the military do it. Okay. Not only that, but then there is some plausibility to deniability because we're not taking direct military action. Because if we take direct military action, that's a pretty significant step. So it's a lot easier to keep it quiet if we don't have the military in there. Because a lot, if not the same, amounts of resources, whether it's intelligence or other things, are brought to bear even on the private side. So primarily, it's money. Okay, not only money for the companies, 
the contractors, and all the other resources and assets that go into it, but it's still less expensive than having the military do it. Now, why sometimes, like National Guard or State Guard, why have them? Well, usually because it's a rapidly deployable force, because they're usually ready for these sorts of things. But that's not to say that there aren't companies out there, and there's plenty of them, that have the similar or same capability to be able to respond in similar manner. A lot of it, and let's be honest about it, is, and I hate to say it, <laughs> I hate to credit this person with it, but the Speaker of the House, if you might remember, some years ago, talked about theatrics, optics. Okay, And oftentimes, that's what it is. Because most people outside these communities, okay, outside the private security contracting communities, outside the military communities, outside the intelligence communities, yada, 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 most people are blithely ignorant to what's really, truly going on. Most people don't spend their days, their weeks, reading the various, and I mean the plethora of resources out there to get a fair and balanced understanding of what's really happening day in, week out, month to month. Now, you hear people, because we all have the conversations with them, and sometimes some of us partake in it, well, I've been down there. It was it was wonderful. There was I didn't see anything like that. It's like, well, yeah, that's if you stay on the guided postcard tour, stay where you're supposed to be, don't stray outside of it, and you have some situational awareness, you're probably going to be okay. Why? There's a lot of reasons, but primarily because these criminal elements regardless of what you call them, have a vested interest in not hurting you and keeping you safe. Okay, diplomatic stuff and politics are involved in it. I mean, let's be honest, the last thing, one of the last things anyway, that a criminal cartel or gang wants to do is to have <laughs> that sort of stuff splashed across the pages, talked about in the news shows, and then have their diplomats and the politicians and all the people involved in the military asset stuff have to start talking and explaining themselves. So they don't want this. So to some extent, maybe a great extent, again, as long as you stay on the postcard tour, whether it's in Europe or Africa, Central or South America, the Middle East, Asia, as long as you mind your P's and Q's, stay on the postcard tour, have some situational awareness Okay, you're probably going to be fine because, again, they do have vested interests. Okay, and same thing here in America. I mean, let's face it. Most mayors or governors, regardless of what we think about them, most of them don't want visitors, foreign tourists coming in to their states or their cities and having them being hassled or robbed or mugged and beaten up. You know, doesn't go over very well. They have a lot of explaining to do. And since you're on vacation, you're probably not aware, you're probably not noticing the security aspects that are in play where you're vacationing or where you're touring. Okay, they are there. Trust me, it doesn't matter Spain, Italy, Morocco, it doesn't matter, folks. Okay, Australia, if you're going there as a foreign tourist, okay, you're spending money for the flights, the hotels, 
I mean, all of it. Okay, they have a vested interest from from the very bottom all the way to the very top, to the extent that they can to keep you safe so that you can get back. Okay, say what you will about this current administration, and I have absolutely nothing good to say about it. But that aside, trust me when I say that probably no leader of any country, even if it's a dictator or a tyrant, really wants to have to explain to the State Department and the other intelligence agencies or the White House why tourists from their country, minding their own business, were harmed, arrested, mugged, drugged, killed, whatever. They Trust me, they, okay, that's pretty common sense. Now, it's when you get off the beaten path, when you go off the postcard tour, that's typically, if you're going to run into trouble, when you're going to run into trouble. Okay, doesn't mean that there aren't people out there who have a vested interest, regardless of what it might be, to help you out if something goes awry. Just don't count on it. So then you probably wondering or have asked, so if country or nation X, Y, or Z is asking for, whether we hear about it or read about it or not, whether it's common knowledge to you or not, if they're asking the United States of America at the government level for private contractors to come in, why would they be doing that? Why wouldn't they take care of it themselves? The answer is pretty straightforward and pretty simple, folks. Because for the most part, most countries, most nations are not capable of doing that on their own. So outside of, say, what we typically refer to as Western Europe, the United States of America, Canada, uh, arguably Australia, and some of the other nations, you know, Japan, for example. I mean, there are countries that have the economic ability as well as other abilities to provide for those things. But still, so, so those countries oftentimes will take care of stuff on their own. They'll source uh, their own people, people from their own countries, their own nations, their own unions, whatever you want to call it. But plenty of other countries don't have that level of economic development, the level of resources that's required to take care of such things. Because in spite of what we hear and read a lot of times, a lot of these countries don't like and don't want what's going on in their countries. Bad actors, unsavory people, whatever you want to call them, are at play. So it's not just the people like George Soros or Bill Gates or the dozens, thousands of other people out there who are investing in these crooked sorts of things, along with all the minions that run around to collect whatever they're getting out of it. Okay, There's plenty of people that derive an income, and arguably their income is derived, we could say, not completely ignorantly. I mean, they're, they're, they're usually pretty wise or privy to what they're engaging in, whether it's the coffee bean grower or the simple farmer, rancher, what have you, the simple businessman. Okay, there's plenty of people out there, just like here in America. They're just trying to make it from one day to the next. Okay, so they'll do what they think they need to do to get along and not be harassed or run out of business or even killed 
Because, I mean, that stuff happens here in America. But outside America, I mean, whew, whole different thing. Laws are way different. Cultures are different. Everything is different. And who's in charge is oftentimes, I mean, who's really in charge is oftentimes completely different. Completely opposite different than what we're used to in America. And sometimes, arguably oftentimes, not just here in America. Plenty of other places as well. And sometimes the only difference or an additional difference is the scales of magnitude on which these things occur. So, at the private security contractor level, I mean, what, what, what kinds, what are they armed with or equipped with? And what's their lifestyle? What do they got to do to make sure that they can do the job? Well, it really depends. Um, so, there are a lot of contractors, and you see this depending on, and read it, depending on where, you, and you'll hear it in conversations. Again, depending on the circles you swim in. But a lot of them have realized that to some extent, perhaps a larger or great extent, the level of fitness and fighting prowess, they need to partake in classes and, and learn this stuff. Because let's face it, if you're not a government agent, usually at the federal level, as you're traveling around the world and you're doing this, you're doing that, going through this port, going through that airport, and, and one thing or another, there's plenty of times when the contractor cannot have a weapon on them. Uh, certainly not a firearm, for sure. Okay, um, You can often have implements or tools if, of the trade, whatever you want to call, in your checked baggage. But you can't have a firearm. So if you don't have that, you've got to have something. So you've got to have a high degree, or you should have, a high degree of physical fitness uh, and a degree, preferably a high degree, of self-defense. Okay, so not only for you, but anybody that you might feel like you need to stand up and help them out. And oftentimes, when they're working, because again, it's not uh, even oftentimes security is in terms of say intelligence or surveillance or counter surveillance, whatever. So they the they're not necessarily out there. Uh, toting weapons and tactical gear. They're not always present. You can't always see them. Okay. Now, you can if you're really paying attention and you're really looking for them. Um, some of them are really good. I mean, they've been doing this for years. They've got the trade craft down real well. They blend in really well. But I'm just saying that they, these people are out there. They're not always detectable. Okay. So there's, there are certain levels and measures of protection because, like I've said, plenty of these actors, good or bad, have vested interests in keeping, for the most part, the citizenry, the travelers, safe. So the private security contractor, aside from a certain high level of physical fitness, uh, cardio, got to have that because, let's face it, you might be strong as an ape, but if you can't run 100 yards without running out of breath... You know, or you can't get past a five-second mark and, and or a ten-second mark in a fight. It almost doesn't matter. So, so then you might be asking yourself, okay, well that's all great, but how does that tie into private security contracting, particularly as I've been talking about the MENA region? Um, well, to some extent, as you're traveling, again, 
If you're not a federal agent uh, and you can't have your firearm on you, frequently as you're traveling off contract or off project because you're coming or going, you're not actually working at the time, you're not going to have a firearm with you. So you've got to rely on everything else that you've been shown or taught or learned, whether you read it or was actually instructed and trained. You've got to rely on that stuff coming and going. And oftentimes it just comes down to keeping your wits about you, staying calm, again, minding your P's and Q's, keeping a low profile, you know, and just blending in. Now, once you're there, you're, you're back on the ground, wherever it is that you're working, um, for lack of a better term, it's party time because now you're in otherwise safe company. Everybody there knows who you are, that you're supposed to be there. Now you're working, you're doing your job, and as long as you do it right, you're going to be okay. Now, does that mean that stuff doesn't happen and you're not going to get caught up in it? Of course not. There's plenty of examples of it. And perhaps the one that's, I think, finally played out last year or the year before that, um, the Nassau Square. I mean, it played out for years throughout because of that, that incident. So whether they did it right or not, the only people that know for sure are the people that were there when it actually happened. And to some extent, the people that partook in the investigations. And that's going to be, and it always has been, and will continue to be, the same. Okay, I mean, I've experienced some of that, and I'm sure I'm not the only one. Okay, You did it right. You did what you're supposed to do. And usually, as long as you're telling the truth, and you keep it short and sweet, usually you'll be fine. Especially if there are any witnesses. Okay, I mean, it just... Because most people, let's, let's be honest, most people, unless they really don't like you, um, most people want to at least have a tendency to want to tell the truth as best as they can about what happened. So, and again, unless they really don't like you and they were there and they witnessed it, they're usually going to argue on your behalf, on your side, for your cause. So, what's a good example? Uh, one that comes to mind right now was uh, uh, an event that played out. It was in Baghdad. And uh, uh, basically, I had gone into this room where a number of the African Guard Force were hanging out. I don't recall exactly, but I was checking why. But I had to check badges and, and other things. Uh, one of them didn't like it, didn't want to show me his badge. I reached for it. He slapped my hand out of the way. That led to a tussle. Uh, I got up, or I shouldn't say got up, I was already up. So I turned around, walked to the wall where the rifles were, where their AK-47s were, grabbed the one that was assigned to him, and he got his nose all out of joint because he realized, and I told him, I said, without your weapon, man, you can't work. You're not working here. You're done, okay? At the very least, you're going somewhere else. So that led into a physical altercation between me and him. Okay, I had my sidearm on me. I had his AK-47, which was loaded. Okay, actually, it needed to be racked. But other than that, it was loaded, ready to go. We get in, <laughs> we get into a, a tete right there in front of God and everybody. Okay, now fortunately, 
uh, it did not devolve to the point that anything worse than me doing some swift moves and jarring him and getting him down, uh, and it broke up. Okay, But where I'm going with it, the point on that one is that there was an investigation. Okay, And who got involved? I don't know. There were plenty of agencies um, on that uh, small camp, on that FOB. Plenty of agencies. They looked into it. Uh, you know, we tried to keep it toned down, but there was an investigation. One of the supervisors for the company I was working for at the time, and uh, it was Torres at that time, but uh, he was, I was, I was um, stunned, I guess, but he was basically arguing for the guard. <laughs> I'm like, what the F are you talking about, dude? I went in there doing my job he resisted okay and he came up and tried to take the weapon from me and got into a wrestling match with me okay anyway long story short it i don't know a few days a week five to seven days it was pretty much settled it was over i was cleared um because primarily not only did people know my history they knew me my my level of character and and integrity, because like I've said before, people see and hear everything. There's surveillance cameras everywhere. There's people looking and listening everywhere. And a number of the supervisors and a number of the guards testified on my behalf as well. Okay. So the point I'm making is that I did my job. I did it properly. I did it right. I did everything I could to keep it from escalating to a point of no return. I was cleared of it. But my point is that Things can quickly go south, and you've got to do what you got to do to keep yourself and others safe, okay? But as best you can when that happens, you've also got to try to prevent it from escalating to a point of no return. Because had shots been fired, that would have been a whole different thing. What the outcome would have been, who knows? But I'm sure at some point, because I'd heard this before a number of times, uh, they might have to put you on the next flight out, <laughs> okay? Uh, some of you, maybe a lot of you, know what I'm talking about. So then you might be asking yourself, so what happened to the guy that you, I got into the altercation with? Well, trust me, I wasn't the only one that wanted that guy on the first smoker going home. Turns out, for whatever reason, he didn't. However, they were smart enough to put him somewhere else where I didn't have to deal with him. Now, whether he had access to a weapon or not, I don't know. I never saw the guy again. That was good enough for me. Not what I wanted, but it was good enough. Now, I know there's plenty of, well, I don't know about plenty, but there's some people out there, and you see it in the videos and sometimes in the movies, and you hear it, all the horse shit stuff that people talk about when they're jawjacking and stuff. Well, I'd have done this and I'd have done that. And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who knows? Because I've been asked that, I'm gonna, well, what would you do? How would you have handled it? How would I know, man? Unless I'm actually there, I don't know how I would respond or how I would act. Maybe I'd have done what this person did. Maybe I'd have done something different. I would like to think this is what I'd do, but you don't know until you're in the moment. And how it plays out, a lot of times, will di dictate how you respond. But my point is that stuff happens, whether you're on the... Ferry, uh, 
postcard tour or whether you're down on the grit, in the dirt, working with people. Stuff can happen. Okay, And it's not our job to hurt or kill people unless we have to. Okay, Our job is to try and keep that and prevent it from happening. Try to de-escalate it as best we can. So again, when I was talking earlier about physical fitness, cardio, fighting ability, it all comes into play because you never know when you're going to need that. And, you know, a lot of times, a lot of stuff that we hear uh, was usually the other guys. Okay, in other words, so speaking specifically from an American private security contractor's perspective, we're on contract wherever we're at. And frequently, what happened, what we saw, what we remember, what we heard, was somebody other than the Americans that were involved in it. Okay, usually it was the locals acting out, doing whatever they were doing. Um, we oftentimes don't get involved in that unless we just happen to be out there on the roads or out there in the wild, and there's no way out of it. Okay, it rarely happens anymore on the base or the fob or where or the camp that you're at. Okay, because I'd heard this and I'd experienced it enough times to know it to be true that for the most part. These people know that Americans, particularly the American contractors, and I've heard this a number of times, they're not going to F with you guys because they know you shoot and you'll shoot back. <laughs> okay, so, um, so when, you're on, when you're back on the reservation or back on the ranch, whatever you want to call it, okay, uh, you're quote-unquote safe. Certainly uh, less to worry about because, again, the, the precept, the perception is we will shoot back. We will fight back. Um, and it almost never ends well for them. Uh, so uh, before I wrap it up, uh, an example uh, that comes to mind was in, uh, I think it was the Nangarhar province is where Jalalabad is located. So uh, in the Jabad region out there uh, in the airport area on a uh, camp that I was assigned to, it was not an unfrequent thing where the airport or the installation as a whole was mortared, rocketed, um, direct, indirect fire, uh, charges, trying to breach through with explosives and one thing or another. Uh, so one, so the one in particular of, of the many uh, that we uh, found ourselves uh, a part of, the, uh, I don't know, Al-Qaeda, Taliban, whoever it was, the local version of it, uh, decided to come in. We'd gotten a heads up. We, we had intelligence that this might happen, So, and they had a pretty good idea of the exact date and the time. And sure enough, it played out almost exactly as the intelligence had told us. Uh, it was a, it was a uh, multifaceted or complex uh, uh, charge, if you will, they, they attacked from multiple locations, uh, trying to breach. And, uh, and actually, in two or three of them, I think they did breach the, the final outer or interior gates, if you will, uh, through explosive means and, and shooting and one thing or another. And, uh, I mean, it's a wonderful thing to see. I mean, the military, everything spun up. And it was just amazing just to see this chore beautifully choreographed uh, 
play play out helicopters all of them just up in the air right away flying around doing their thing um as i recollect the planes didn't take off there might have been i think there were a couple of drones that had joined it uh whether it's the predators or who knows um but yeah so i mean they're out there on the runways um on the periphery trying to get in access um various camps and facilities within this installation larger installation as a whole uh you know we're hunkering down placing ourselves um some of them were returning fires um others were waiting until it was close enough because it's typically the same thing so unless you're a designated marksman or sniper you're out there uh with the authority to do that you basically want to wait until you can see the whites of the rise was basically uh the term that we heard frequently Okay, so, I mean, we not quite literally get that close, but I think you know what I mean. Um, because there's a, you never, because there's too many allied forces in the vicinity, you need to make sure that who and what you're shooting at is who and what you're supposed to be at. Uh, so, and I don't think it was that one. It was another one where, that I'll talk about later. But that one, again, it it was, it was phenomenal the way they handled it. Uh, the whole thing lasted probably an hour, 45 minutes to an hour before it was done. And then you got all the security mop-up, wrap-up, and all the other stuff that goes on afterward. But um, so with that one in particular, the point I'm trying to make is that that stuff can happen um, on, on installations, small or large. I mean, there were, there were again, a plethora of things that people can point to and recount and talk about but that one in particular uh yeah it was a bad day for those guys uh let's just say that uh, the ones that made it beyond uh not the ravine but there was like a, a water ditch if you will around one end of the airport those that made it past there didn't get very far onto the tarmac they got on the tarmac but they didn't get very far and it's i tell you uh, say what you will, but it's a wonderful thing to see an A864 Apache up there <laughs> unleashing what it has at the bad guys. Uh, pretty amazing. So, with that one, folks, I want to thank you and everyone for taking time out of your day, your afternoon, or your evening to listen to me talk about private security contracting, particularly as a, uh, for overseas stuff, as well as some of my experiences as a private security contractor overseas. Uh, thank you again to Kava Cohen and Colin Perry uh, for the intro music. And thank you again to Andres Rodriguez for the outro music. Thank you to my wife, again, for whom I owe immeasurable gratitude for staying the course over the years of doing all this stuff. My children and all the folks, male and female, who have been and still are a part of my life. Thank you. And remember, folks, it takes a team. The grass is not always greener on the other side. Be careful what you wish for. You might just get it. Stay humble, stay safe, and keep others safe by staying frosty. And until next time, keep it real. Yeah.